Father, we just thank you once again, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, Lord. You are faithful. You've been always loyal to us. Even though we were unfaithful, you still remain faithful. For you could not deny yourself as we heard yesterday. And this morning, even as we have begun the 13th year, Lord, what a privilege, Lord, and an honor, Lord, that the very first day of the 13th year as a church, we have the opportunity to be found in your presence. To be found meditating upon your word. To be to be, to be able to come together once again and sit at your feet and learn from your word. What a privilege, O Lord. And this morning, we commit ourselves to your kind hands as a church. All of us, O Lord, we come to you and we ask you, Lord, Father, for your mercy, for your grace, that we will continue to remain faithful to what you have entrusted into our hands as a church and to every individual in the body of Christ. Grant us grace to that end, Lord. We pray, Father, that even as we meditate upon your word, speak to our hearts, O Lord, and remind us, O Lord, of those things that we have already learned so many years. And I pray, Lord, that this time, even as we remind ourselves, I pray, Lord, that you would grant us fresh, a fresh vision, O Lord, and that, Lord, that we will come back to that straight and narrow path that you've called us to walk on, walk in. Bless this time. We worship you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name. Amen. So the 13th year is upon us. Okay. It says, uh, <laughs> uh, Delilah says, Tell Samson, the Philistines are upon you. <laughs> uh, no, the, uh, the 13th year is upon us. Thank God. What an amazing privilege. Like, uh, I mean, we, ne- we never thought that Monday is a working day, <laughs> generally. And uh, we never do this on a Monday morning. I remember we used to have a Monday morning Bible study for Jeremiah several years back in our church. Um, but now... God has given us the grace to be able to come together and sit at his feet on the 13th year, new year. I like the number 12, one of my favorite numbers, 7, 10, and 12. Okay, I love those numbers. And we finished the 12 months of the 12th year, and we are here in the first month of the 13th year. Awesome. Praise God. Um, looking forward to what God is going to be doing in our lives and of course we've been given this awesome responsibility to rise up and build even as a church so i want us to turn again to uh, revelation chapter 17 verse 14 the reason i'm going to do this is because um you see uh, after 12 months the earth come back comes back to the point where it started from right after 12 years, we have to come back to the place where we have started from. So I believe we should, uh, it's, 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 um, only, uh, appropriate that we come to this place and, uh, revisit these verses. And, uh, 
ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. 17.14 of Revelation, it says, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Jesus said, Do not lose heart, for I have overcome. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Why will the Lamb be overcome? Will lamb be able to overcome them? This is, of course, this Antichrist, the the the, the Trinity, the Beast, etc. For He is the Antichrist Trinity, the Satanic Trinity over here, of course. The Lamb will make war with them, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and those who are with Him. He'll be able to overcome because not only that he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, because also those who are with him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. So many are called, right? And few are chosen, and few will remain faithful to the end. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 17, verse 7 if I'm right, he says, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith, and I've finished the race. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. All of us are in a fight, all of us are in a race, and it is important that we have to keep on going on till the very end and do not lose, uh, and do not become unfaithful at any given point of time and remain on the track. Isn't it interesting that two uh, analogies are fight and race? I was talking to Sam in the, on the way. Uh, two of sports that are that test endurance is long distance and boxing. Okay, if you if you have seen the long distance seventeen kilometer races, etc., that's a test of endurance. And many people give up. Uh, give up Tour de France again a test of endurance. Yeah, tennis test of endurance. It's just not talent. It's endurance over a long period of time. Fight, boxing especially, is a test of endurance. Twelve rounds, okay. <laughs> and uh, actually we were discussing the the, the, the fight between Mike Tyson and uh, James Buster Douglas. I think it was in 1996, if I'm right, 1990s, uh, when uh, Tyson was literally steamrolling the, 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 the heavyweight um, uh, category all around the world. And he was finishing off opponents in the first few rounds itself. And then came the ultimate challenge. James Buster Douglas, who was not as talented as Michael, uh, Mike Tyson, he was called the Iron Tyson or Iron Mike or something like that, no? Because he had his heavy punches and he would want to finish the fight off in the first few rounds. And, but this guy wouldn't give up. Okay. I think the fight lasted, lasted for almost 11 rounds. And if, if I'm right, in the 10th round, Tyson gave him an uppercut and then he, and he fell on. It was, it was a knockout punch, but he didn't get knocked out. He st- he came back, Buster Douglas comes back, and then he fights, and in the 11th round he gives him a punch, and Mike Tyson is like lights off for him. Because Mike Tyson <laughs> couldn't endure. Although he was more talented, more strong, more powerful than Buster Douglas, you, I, I, what was one of my favorite fights, I liked Mike Tyson, but then of course, I understand why he lost. Because you know, it's an endurance fight. Okay, boxing is like that. Boxing is an endurance sport and even uh, running is an endurance sport. And he was faithful till the end. Okay, he says, he b- remain, endure till the end. Okay, he who endures till the end will be saved. Many are called, few are chosen and only few will endure. Because this is, don't ever think Christian life is easy. 
except in your own in your own strength. It is impossible. It is a fight till the end. Okay, how, this this has to become a mindset. You have to endure in love till the end. You have to endure in patience till the end. You have to endure in faith till the end. You have to endure in hope till the end. You can never, ever, ever give up at any given point of time. So don't give up, okay? Don't give up. So the many are called, a few are chosen, and a few remain faithful. And I want us to remind ourselves once again, now just to who are these people who are called? What does it mean to be called? Okay, just reminding ourselves. First, what are we called out of? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 to 24. Defines those people who are called. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Kya baat hai? It was in the wisdom of God that the world through its wisdom should not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And then, verse 22... For Jews require a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ and Him crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are, what? The call, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. We've been called out, first of all. What are, who are the called therefore? These are the people who are called out of the world and these are the people who believed the message which was preached. You see that, you will see that in verse 21. You see that, um, it is, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Therefore, these are the people who are called out of the world and these are the people who believed the message which was preached to them. Okay, that's the first thing, first part, I mean, first aspect of those who are being called. Second, what are they called to? If you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 1, uh, there are several aspects, I'm just highlighting a few, okay? Romans chapter 1 verses 5 onwards. Actually, we can read from five, verses 5 to 7. <clears throat> Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name's sake. And then, among whom... You are also the called of Jesus Christ. Actually, uh, the ESV will use the word among you, whom you are also called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you actually can put it in ESV. ESV, both uh, from verses 5 to 7 onwards. Okay. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Okay. Including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So you are called to belong to who? To, to belong to Jesus Christ. Like Gomer was called to belong to Hoshea. Okay. By the way, Hoshea is the other name for Joshua. Remember that? Yeah, which means that Yahweh is my salvation, of course. And we are all called to belong to Jesus Christ. That is the reason why uh, Paul tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy because I have espoused you, I have betrothed you to one husband. That you may remain as a chaste, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Jesus Christ. And I, I, lest you get deceived by the craftiness of the devil from a pure and a sincere devotion or the simplicity of Jesus Christ. Don't get deceived. He says, I, I want you to, I want you to understand that you, that you've been called out from this world and you've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. So when you receive the word, what happened? 
like what it what, what happened in the day of pentecost all those who received the word what was received what what did they receive be saved from this perverse generation with many words he exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation and all those who gladly received the word were what baptized and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and and, and fellowship and the breaking of bread and of, and in prayer. So these are this is important. You've been called out, and you've been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Okay, so that is one very very important. So what is what is what does it demand? Therefore, it demands verse five will say it demands obedience of the faith for the sake of His name. Now, now you bear His name. You've been baptized into his name, for example. And because you bear his name, your life has to be a life which is characterized by obedience. So you've been called to a life of obedience to the faith. You've been called to to belong to Jesus Christ, therefore. And then it says in verse verse um, 7, it says, you to, do, to all those in Rome who are the loved of God or beloved of God and called to be what? Saints or the sanctified ones set apart completely wholly set apart to God and God alone. Okay, if you're going to actually look at this concept, if, if you turn to First Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 14 to 15. As obedient children, you see that? Because you've been called for obedience to faith. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to former lusts as is, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is what? Holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, for, scripture says, for it is written, be holy as I am holy. In Telugu, it's very interesting. You have been called to be saints. Parishuddhulu means to be holy, to be set apart to God, to behave and act like set apart once. Therefore, been called out to the world, from the world, okay? And then second, you've been called to obedience, to a life of obedience. You've called to be, to belong to Jesus Christ and you've been called to be what? A bunch of people who are set apart, set apart for the, for him, for his purpose. That is the reason why he says in uh, first, second Peter chapter 2 verse 22, 20, 20 actually. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20 onwards. For if, so sorry, Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 20, sorry. But in a great house, there are not only, not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. And then he says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Therefore, flee also youthful us. Pursue righteousness, faith, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So this is what we have been called to. Called to a life which is being, which is set apart, set apart, set apart once. We are the sanctified set apart once. Then, you have been called to be a set apart people. And then, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know this very well. Hmm. Called for what? And we know that all things work together for the, for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. That means what? There is, we have been called to accomplish the purposes of God. 
That is the reason why it says in Acts chapter 13, David fulfilled, accomplished God's purpose in his generation and he rested with his fathers. So what have been, we've been called to? We've been called to accomplish the purposes of God in our lives. That means there's a particular will that God wants us, wants to accomplish through our lives and that is the reason we've been called to. And that is something which we have to all find out. What is that? One particular will that God wants to accomplish through our lives. That is what is, that means we should not be a people who are without purpose. We are not a people without purpose. Okay. So 13th year, you have entered. What is your purpose? Where there is no vision, people will perish. Actually, people will cast off all restraint, it says. Why? Why? Because they don't know where they are going. There is no aim in their lives. There is no aim in their lives. The most important thing for you to find out for yourselves, if as we have entered into the 13th year, Lord, let your will become clearer. What is my purpose, Lord? Let it become more and more clearer even as the days go by. Okay. So, it's a journey. See, one of the incredible mysteries is how we got saved. The greatest thing that happened in our lives is the way, the day we got saved. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget, <laughs> etc. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. That was the day when we were saved. Second great discovery is to find your purpose. God-given purpose in the kingdom of God. And all of us have a purpose. It is impossible. It is impossible for us to be called by God and not to have a purpose. So, find your purpose. So, who are the called? They are the people who have been called out from the world. They have been, there are people who are called to belong to Jesus Christ for a life of obedience and a life to be set apart from the things of this world and to have a purpose. For example, look at the purpose of Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. You see that? He knows his purpose very well. And he never took his calling lightly. Okay? Again, First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 if I am right. Chapter 1 and verse 2. Paul, yeah, verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. The will of God is to be called, is called to be an apostle. Here in this case, apostle and we, it says, um, first Corinthians chapter 12, you know that, right? God has appointed first apostles and prophets and teachers and then so many other things. There's a purpose for which you and I have been created and therefore it is our absolute responsibility. Lord, let me find my purpose. Okay? Otherwise, without where there is no vision, People will cast away all restraint. Where do you see yourself in the next five years is a question. If God were, if God is, if uh, God gives us the opportunity to live and God, um, um, tarries to come, what do you think? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want? And of course, there's one purpose for all of us. If you actually go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for the good of the, for those who call, or for those who love God and what be called according to his purpose, to his purpose, for whom he knew, 
He also predestined. That means there is a destination. Okay, what is the destination? Ha! Ah, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God has given us so many. See, even the giftings that God has given us, um, Sundar Krishnan makes a very powerful statement. He says, we think that ministry is our gift to God. It is actually God's gift to us. Why? So that he can use the gift of the ministry in itself to conform us to the image of his son. So that, like pastor was saying, no, gift or life are two different things. We can operate in a gift and completely miss the purpose of, of, uh, of allowing God to rot the image of Christ inside of us. But what if God uses, we use the gift of God also for the purpose of God rotting his work in our lives? Why, why, why not? For example, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, verse 27, 28, and 20, verse 27 and 28. If in, to, to them God will to make known the, what the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is the hope of our glory? Christ in us is the hope of glory. Therefore, what do we do? Him we preach. And then what do we do? We warn every man, teaching every man, how in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also what? Labor, striving according to his working, which works where? In me mightily. You see that how, how Paul is also using the ministry gift that God is using, that as God has given him to per- present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So that work is also, that min- that gift is also working in him. And that is the reason why he says, I beat my body to subjection, lest having, having preached to others, I myself should not become a what? A castaway or a reprobate or disqualified. So there's a purpose. The purpose is a destination. And that destination is the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. Okay. So for that purpose, we have been called. And everything that God gives us, even the gifts that God gives us, is to use them, use those gifts so that they will work in us as well as in our lives and through our lives into other people's lives as well. Okay. That is the reason why Paul tells in Romans chapter 15, he says, I dare not to speak anything other than what Christ Jesus has accomplished in me and through me. He has accomplished something in me and through me. I don't want to speak of any, any other thing other than that. Okay. So we've been, we've been called and from between a call. So what happens? They are the called, they are the chosen, and they are the faithful. So many are called, few are chosen. So what what does it take for us to go from calling to be chosen? So let us see. There are some verses which highlight this. Let us go on to First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 onwards. For you see your calling, brothers, okay, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And then look at this. But God has what? Chosen. You see that? Between the calling and the choosing. And whom whom God has chosen. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the things, put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God has chosen the 
base things. Next verse, verse 31, verse 28. Base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing that uh, the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. The problem is, between the calling and the choosing, something has to happen. First of all, God says you have to become foolish. But we don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise. Second, he says, we have to become weak. Okay. But we want to be known as mighty. Third thing he says, he says we have to become base and we have to become despised. <laughs> that means, we have to come to a point where God shows us you know what? All the things that you have is nothing. Nothing. Brings us to a place where we know that we are absolutely nothing. That is when from calling to choosing, that point has to be achieved. Okay. What we call as repentance. Between the calling and the choosing, there is something what we call as repentance has to happen. Okay, how do I know this? Let us look at three parables, continuous parables, one after the other. Okay, and to see, to demonstrates, demonstrate this calling and finally those who are chosen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 28 onwards. Now, first of all, I'll give you a context over here. Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the donkey. And then where does he go? He goes to the temple. Much to the consternation of all the Jewish people who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, go to Pilate's throne and overthrow him. No, no, no. He goes directly to the temple. And then he overthrows, not Pilate, but, but the money changers. And they get all upset. And they come and ask him, by what authority are you doing all this? And he also says, I will also ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from God or was it from man? In other words, in other words, they were asking this question. He was asking them this question. Do you think there was where from who who sent John? Man or God? And then you know the discussion that they have. And after the discussion that they have, and they and they give this answer, we don't know. And Jesus also says, "I will not tell you by what authority I am doing these things." And from that that time onwards, uh, these three parables are given in order. Okay, uh, three parables. Two parables in Matthew chapter 21 and one parable in Matthew chapter 22. Let us look at them because we should not miss the link over here. Okay, Matthew chapter 21, we can meditate upon these parables one parable at a time. But uh, but you see uh, there is a continuity in the thought. So let us look at Matthew chapter 21 verse 28 onwards. But what do you think? Can you put it in the ESV if you don't mind? What do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. Next verse. And he went to the other and said the same thing. And he said, I go, sir. But did not go. 
which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Now, when you look at this, you say, what is this? And Jesus gives the interpretation. So you don't have to see. Thank God Jesus doesn't leave all these interpretation to the commentators. Otherwise, they'll come up with all kinds of weird interpretations. Thank God he gives the interpretation. He says, they said the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go to the kingdom of God before you. Then he says, for John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. What is changing our mind? Repentance. Now look at this. The tax collectors and the prostitutes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the, uh, the ruling class. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. And Luke's Gospel chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And what did he, what was he doing? And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And verse 4, onwards. Onwards, yeah. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. And verse 5, and, and then Jerusalem... All Judea and all region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. And then next verse he says, verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance. This is the message to the who? Pharisees. and What did the... Tax collectors and the prostitutes receive. What kind of message did they receive? Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Verses 1 onwards. Okay, we know this. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of Aturia, the region of Traconitus and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were high priests. The word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Okay. As it is written. And verse, verse 6 onwards. Then, uh, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then, then he said to the, what? To the multitudes that came out to be baptized. So that means the message was for the same for everyone. Brood of vipers who want you to flee from the wrath to come and then bring forth, therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not say to yourselves that we have Abraham our father. The message is the same for the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the multitudes and the tax collectors and prostitutes. Who believed? Who changed their mind? Only one person changed their mind. Who is that? The tax collectors and the prostitutes. It was easier for them. And they repented. Therefore it says in Matthew chapter 7, Verse 23 to 25 onwards. Matthew chapter 7 verse 25 onwards. <coughs> oh, sorry, Luke, Luke 7. Luke 7, 25 onwards. Luke 7 verse 25 onwards. Luke 7 verse 25 onwards. But what did, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously appareled and live in luxury are in king's courts. And then, what did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, more and more than a prophet. 
This is of whom I, it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before you who will prepare your way before you. And then, for I say among those who born among women, there is no greater that greater prophet than John the Baptist. And verse 29 it says, But when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. And then verse 28, 30, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by John. What did they think? They did not think that they needed what? Repentance. One changed their mind, the other did not. Okay? So the first parable he says, the parable of the two sons. That is the reason why Luke's Gospel chapter 15 will say, God, I did not see, you can turn there actually. First few verses, first three verses if you will. Luke's Gospel chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable saying, look at what he says. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he says, yeah. And when he, and when he, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which is lost, which was lost. And then I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 persons who do not need repentance. What do you think? Do we need repentance? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last call for, of Jesus Christ to the church is repent. Seven times he tells, I, I mean five times at least. Five times he tells. Out of the only two churches, he says just hold on. The other, other churches he says repent. So repentance. So between the calling and the choosing, what is there? <laughs> There's an act of repentance. I'll tell you, how did I come to that conclusion? Let's go again, go back to Matthew chapter 21. Now let's read from verse 33 onwards. To the end. Okay? Yeah, ESV. Doesn't matter, ESV. 21. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. Where do you find this uh, equivalent? Isaiah chapter 5. Go back to Isaiah chapter 5. Verses 1 to 5. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning this vineyard. His vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. (laughs) Okay. I'll tell you something. I hope this is a fertile hill. Our church. Where the seed of the word of God is sown. And it brings forth fruit. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a vine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded what grapes? Wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Okay, 
Why did he deal white gifts? It's a very similar parable. Okay, go back now. So it's, it's, this is the kind of, um, mind from which, uh, Jesus is speaking to the, to the, to the Pharisees and they all understand it. Okay. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. What was the fruit he was looking for? Repentance. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. And again he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did the same to them. And then who comes? Finally, he said, his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Is a question that Jesus asks the Pharisees. And look at what the Pharisees answer. They said to them, he will put those wretches to a miserable death. And let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him to the fruits, uh, who will give him the uh, fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Okay. The Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But to us, we, we preach Christ and him crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And then, therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits and the one who falls on this stone stone will be broken to pieces and when it it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Therefore he says, come and fall on the stone and be broken and produce fruit worthy of repentance. The first parable therefore talks about whom? John. The second parable therefore talks about who? Jesus. Thank you. The first parable talks about John. Man sent from God. So when they rejected John, whom did they reject? God the Father. How did they reject him? They put him in prison. And you know what God said? Okay, they put him in prison. Let me send a judgment? No, he didn't, he didn't send a judgment. What did he say? Now I'm going to send my son. And what did he do to the son? Crucified. So what do you think the next parable should be? Holy Spirit. Now let us go to Matthew chapter 22. And let's, let's, let's read from verse 1 onwards to be, to see what it means to be called. And, I mean, to be chosen. Okay. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. This is a continuity, by the way. Because past chapter divisions were in there. There's a continuity now. He finished the parable of uh, the two sons. And he talks about who the two sons are. The one son who, who has repented. The other son who has not repented. When they re- believed the work of, or rather the message of John. Second, because they did not believe the message of John. Whom did God send? His son. Hoping that they will what? At least repent when the son has come. But they rejected the work of the son. And the third one. Now. Who is left now? Spirit. Obviously in that order. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables saying. The kingdom of heaven may be compared. May be compared to a king. Who gave a wedding feast for his son. So who is he talking about obviously? The king is God. And the son is Jesus. Okay. And he sent his servants. 
Okay, that is they're basically the church who's baptized in the Holy Spirit now and who's being sent to the vineyard. It's a type, a picture to call those who were already what invited. They've already already been invited, by the way. Okay, this is of course talking about the Jews to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves and I've slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm and another to his business. And while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. Then what happened to those? The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Boy, <laughs> this is remarkable. Did this happen? Destroyed those murderers and burned their city? Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, City that kills the prophets and stones who are sent to it. How often would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Can you put it in uh, uh, NKJV? Yeah. Put the whole thing in NKJV. Yeah. I think you can go back to NKJV. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. It literally happened. For I say to you, you shall see no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of you. You were not what? Willing. Now go back to Matthew chapter 21. And verse, uh, sorry, 22. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 3 onwards. Actually, let's read from verse 3 onwards. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Same thing. They were not willing. Okay. It literally happened. And verse 5 now. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. And so what happened? And when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed these murderers and burnt up the city. And verse 8. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. So that means, that's exactly what happened, right? In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 51. If you turn there, Matthew chapter 7, verse 51. Verse 51. Uh, sorry, Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked. And uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Exactly what happened. They killed Stephen. They treated John and Peter shamefully, remember? They beat them. Beat them. They treated John and Peter shamefully and they killed Stephen. And you can read the next verse, verse 52, what happens? You stiff-necked. Which of the prophets did your fathers persecute and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you are now have become betrayers and murderers. And then um, when they heard these things, they were cut to their heart and gnashed at them, gnashed at him with their teeth and they killed 
Of course, Stephen. And whom did they reject now? They rejected the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. Acts chapter 13, 11 rather. Uh, one second. Acts chapter 13, sorry. Acts chapter 13 and verse uh, 44 onwards. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming, blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken of by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. So they rejected. And actually other places, Paul and Barnabas actually dust there, of their of their garments and they go to the Gentiles. Now we go to the Gentiles, he says. Okay, so the gospel was preached to them first and they rejected it. And they made light of it. Come back now to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 8 onwards. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. You see the same thing? Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Everybody invited. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all they were found, they found both good and bad. You see, <laughs> it is, it's not that good people only, I mean, so bad people only need to repent. Everybody needs to repent. Good and bad and the wedding hall was filled with guests. And the next word, next word happened. Look at this. Now he's going to define. But when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man where who, there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come here, come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless, meaning he was, he couldn't answer because he was guilty. I mean, he, guilt came. He was speechless. Niruttar ho gaya tha. Kal dekhate nam log, niruttar. Niruttar, he couldn't answer back. It means he was convicted and he couldn't answer. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called. Kya baat hai? And few are chosen. Many were called. Who are those people who were called? First it went to the Jewish people. Okay. Especially to the to the religious class. And they all rejected. Okay. And then what happened? God said, okay, fine. These people were unworthy. So go into the highways and invite as many guests as possible. And everybody came. And the house was filled with guests. And there was one guy who did not have a wedding garment. And he cast him, where is your wedding garment? And the guy says, he couldn't answer because he was speechless. That means he was absolutely convicted before the throne room of God. In other words, in the uh, um, before uh, the throne room of God. Okay, he was speechless. And then what he says? Cast this fellow into outer darkness for many are called and few are chosen. So that means the chosen people are people who have repented and something else also they have. What do they have? They have a garment. 
Now you can say, it is a garment of righteousness. But that is a very generic term. What is the special garment that a chosen should have? Because many are called, few are chosen. Who are these chosen? These are the people who had a garment on. So what is the garment of the chosen is a question. What is the garment of the chosen? Many are called, few are chosen. That means few have a garment of the chosen. So Colossians chapter 3. Let us look at who are these chosen and what is their garment. Are we ready? Let's read from verse 12 onwards. Therefore, as the chosen or the elect, okay, that's the word, elect or the chosen of God. As the chosen of God, holy and beloved, what should you do? Put on, kya baat hai? Abhi garment ko describe kar na? What should you put on? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, first of all, what are they? They are holy. That means they have been set apart. Those who are elect, they understand that they cannot fool around with the world. They have been a set apart. They made them, they purged themselves out of all kinds of leaven. Set apart. Cleansed. And they are beloved. They are people who are in Christ. Okay, they are not walking according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because we, they, we have been accepted into the beloved. So they are holy. They are beloved. And what is the garment that they have? They have put on what? Tender mercies, first. Or compassionate hearts. Other translations will use. Yes, we will use the word. They have compassionate hearts. Second they put on was, is what? They put on kindness. Why? It is the kindness of God that has, that has led them to repentance. Therefore, they are all, there are a set of people who have put on what? Tender mercies, who have put on kindness. And then third it says, they have put on humility. Okay. That means they have put on Christ basically. They have put on tender mercies. They have put on kindness. They have put on humility. They have put on meekness. I like that. What is the difference between meekness and humility then? Obviously they are not the same. You want to know? (laughs) 1619. Meekness is an outworking of humility. 1619. Proverbs. Better to be of a humble spirit with the meek. Actually the lowly. Better to be of a humble spirit with the meek than to divide the spoil with the proud. Matthew chapter 5 verse 5. We know this very well. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So who are the meek? And what do they put on? First Peter, chapter 3. You know this very well, no? This is not only for wives, it is also for us, who is going to be the wife of Jesus Christ one day. Wives, all of us. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. And Actually, let's read from verse uh, uh, 3 onwards. Okay. Let not your adorning or your adornment be merely outwardly arranging the hair, wearing the gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather it, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a 
meek, actually the word is meek and a gentle spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. You see, it's an attitude of the heart, the kind of an attitude, meekness. And meek people are strong people, by the way. Who was the meek? Who are the meek? Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Other translations will use the word Kushite. So they had, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Actually, um, NKJV, are you putting on NKJV? Okay, actually other translations will use. Now the man Moses was very meek. Actually meek, okay. More than all men who were on the face of the earth. So meek that he he wrote it. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken? Okay, sorry. uh, Sorry, verse verse 3, right? Man was. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam and they came forward. Okay. And he said, hear my words, if there, are prof- if there is a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known to him in a vision or a dream. Okay, I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses, he is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, not in riddles. And he beholds the form of God. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? This is meek. Who are these people, bro? These are the people who have a encounter with God. They are so, so, you know what happens? The people who are meek are, why do they, why are they meek? Because they have encountered God. And they have, they find no reason for boasting. They are, they know themselves so well that even if somebody praises them, they hide. It's like that. Meekness. So put on, Compassionate hearts, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness. Colossians chapter 3 now, verse 13. Put on patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. In other words, what should we get rid of if you are a person who is the Chosen of God, you're putting on chosen things. What should you get rid of? A complaining spirit. Now turn to Matthew chapter 20. NKJV, okay? Turn, just keep it in NKJV. Matthew chapter 20. I forgot to put the reference over here. Just Matthew chapter 20. I'll tell you exactly the verse. Verses 13 onwards. Actually, read from verse 12. Matthew chapter 20. 20 bro. 20, 20. 20 verse 12 onwards. 12 onwards. Saying, these last men have worked only for one hour. You know, this is the parable of the, of the workers. Okay. These, these last men have worked only for one another and you made them equal to us and have borne the burden and we have, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he instead, but he answered one of them and said, friend. I mean, he uses the same word friend there. Friend, 
I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with, agree with me for one dinaris and then? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give it to this last man the same as I wish to give it to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or, or is your eye evil because I am good? And then? So the last will be first and the first will be last. For <laughs> many are called, few are chosen. You know what? Who are the chosen ones? Those are the people who have gotten rid of complaining attitudes. I worked so hard. That is the reason why he says, whenever you, after you have worked, you know what you should say? We are unprofitable servants. We have done things which we were supposed to do. We don't need any accolades on this side of eternity. Okay. Get rid of that attitude to have Accolades on this side of it. Get rid of this complaining spirit. Is your eye evil? <laughs> you know who had an evil eye? He had an evil eye. With an evil eye he was regarding someone. Excuse me? Saul had an evil eye towards David. Always an evil eye. Why? Suddenly there was a jealous spirit inside of him. How come God is using him, using him so mightily? On the other hand, you have Jonathan who had like, huh, the soul of Jonathan, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, was knit with the soul of David and he gave him his spear and he said, one day you will be king. After you become king, don't forget to make me your right hand man. But the Benjamite spirit got the better of him. That's a different story altogether. You see, no one complain. Okay, if somebody else is more blessed, that's the reason why, what, what should chosen ones do? They should get rid of what? The complaining spirit. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. Who are the chosen ones? Compassionate hearts. Let's see that. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. So how do we have humility? Simple. By humbling yourselves, you become hum- humble. Uh, hum- humble. <laughs> how do you humble yourselves? Come under authority. Whatever they ask you to do, do. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Don't try to exalt yourself. Why? Promotion comes doesn't, doesn't come from the east or, the, or, or from the west. Promotion, promotion comes from above and he says he brings down one and he raises another. God will do it in his time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Okay, humble yourself. So first, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and get rid of complaining spirit. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. Get rid of the complaining spirit. And then go on. Verse 14. But above all, above all, what should I put on? Put on love. So what are the chosen do, they also put on love which is the bond of perfection. Why? Perfect love. Cast out all fear. It's a bond of perfection. What is the bond of perfection? Love. You shall be perfect in what? In love. As it says in Matthew chapter 5. As your heavenly father also is perfect. For he reigns on the just and the unjust. But put on, but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and go on. 
and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to to which also you are called in one body and be thankful. You, to which also you are what? Called in one body and be thankful. So you know what the garments of the chosen are? It is just not righteousness. It is it is an attitude. Righteousness is a very generic term. But specifically, put on love. Put on love. And then verse 15, and let the, verse 16, sorry. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in, in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to, to, the, to God the Father through Him. This is what the chosen ones put on. What I mean, I don't have to explain this. We all know it so well. This is the garment of the chosen. So that is the reason why <laughs> many are called <laughs> few are chosen. Because few pass through repentance after the, all those people who repent, you have to continue in what? In compassion, compassion, in kindness, in humility, in meekness, in patience, in forgiveness, in love. Let the word of God dwell in us richly and whatever we do, in word or in deed, do it all for the glory of God. Giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through Him. So the, this is basically what is to be chosen. The called and the chosen. And therefore, between the calling and the chosen, how many people? Only a few remain faithful. So what should you remain faithful? How, what does it mean to be faithful? Let us start. You should be faithful in four aspects. The first thing you have to be faithful is what? Is in time. Turn to Luke's Gospel chapter 19. And verse 11 onwards. 11 to 13. First. Now as, this is this is basically NKJV, right? NKJV, okay? Actually KJV also is good. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem, because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. It's not going to appear, it's, there's a process. Therefore he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minors and said to them, actually, occupy till I come. Ten minors. How many servants? Ten servants. Each received? One minor. And then, and verse uh, 17, uh, verse 16, verse 16 onwards. Then the first came and said, Master, your minor has earned ten minors. And he said to them, said to him, Well done, good servant, because you are faithful in little, have authority over ten cities. Faithful, okay? Then, and he said to the second, Saying, Master, your minor has earned five minors. Likewise, he said to them, you also have five cities. And you know, that the next second, the last guy. So first thing we have to be faithful in is what? Everybody has got the same time. First thing, be faithful in the way we spend our time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 onwards. Uh, 
uh, yeah, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Uh, sorry, actually 17 if I'm right, 17 onwards if I'm right, 16, 16 onwards, 16 onwards, redeeming the time, okay, no, actually 15, okay, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15 onwards, so then, so then, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, okay, redeeming the time, the days are evil, then, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is, and do not drunk be, be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And how to be filled with the Spirit? He says, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. So, what is that first thing? Be mindful of the way you spend your time. Okay, first, be faithful to be able to give an account to, hmm, there's no time to be wasted. In stupid things, in arguments, in all kinds of nonsense, because we have very little time, very, very little time actually. Turn to Psalm 90, we'll show how little the time is. Psalm 90, let's read from verse 1 onwards, Psalm 90, about time, Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And then, you turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. Thousand years are like yesterday, they are like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. You know, this this particular... Uh, adjective or, or, or simile or metaphor, you carry them away like a flood. I remember, I, I think I mentioned this very, uh, sometime back, uh, there was a tsunami which was, uh, uh, which hit, Tha- I think Thailand, not Thailand? No, 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 Bangkok, Bangkok, recently, Bangkok, okay, Bangkok has a beach. So Bangkok, I think it has a beach, right? Uh, yeah, Bangkok has a beach, right? I, I, I think it's Bangkok or, or one of the, one of those Southeastern nation, nations, okay, where the tsunami hit. On, on the beach, there was a rock band which was playing. Okay. And they were going crazy, okay, the full tourist crowd over there, and they were all in, in the movement, okay, they were enjoying, and they were enjoying, they were jumping, and they were, on, they were on literally on a high. And they didn't know the tsunami was coming. The stage was on the beach, okay. And the tsunami came, that guy did a roll. And the moment he did, the tsunami came, hit the stage and the whole stage went for a toss. And I think bunch of guys died just in a moment, in a flash. You don't even know, that is how our life is. You carry them away like a flood. I'll never forget this, this, this symbol. Think about it, no? I was thinking 12 years, right? It was just like yesterday for us, some of us, if you've been in our church. Just like 2020, just five months is over like that. You carry them away like a flood. Your 20s and some of of you already have entered into 30s. 30s we have entered into our 40s. And 40s have entered into their 50s and 50s have entered into their 60s. You You don't know how the time has passed. Things have happened so fast and I look at my daughter, she has become so tall now. In two months. I need to change, Baba. Nine years. 
and I, I was looking at her, I was looking at her uh, video when she was a small baby, okay. Abigail, I just still remember you like this. From, when did this change happen from a baby to a nine-year-old girl? Shucks, it's like, it just happens like that so fast, you don't even know. See, four years of engineering, how fast it happened, you I mean, if you were in engineering call, four years of engineering, my goodness, first semester over, second semester over, but eight semesters just passed like that. We entered into engineering and we entered, exited and we didn't even know. And two years of masters just finishes like that. And in fact, these days, you, it, it's as if the time has accelerated because the events are happening so fast, it's so difficult to catch up. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a Oh my goodness. I mean, in fact, in fact, actually 60, 65 days of lockdown for at least the three of us or four of us was like a sleep. Isn't it? I mean, 65 days is just over like that, man. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are grass, which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. That's the reason why if you turn with me to First Peter chapter 1, the last two verses. First Peter chapter 1, the last two verses. All flesh is as grass and the, all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of God endures forever. And this is the word which, which by the gospel which was preached to you. Time, my dear brothers, is fleeting. Time like an ever rolling stream bears all its sons away. They are all forgotten like a dream. They are all forgotten like a dream. Let's go back to Psalm 90. It says, for you have consumed, for we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. And then he says, verse 9, for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a what? Everybody sigh. <sighs> Over. Finished. Our years have become like a slide. The days of our life are three score and ten. And if by reason of strength they may be 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. And then he says, who knows the power of your anger, for as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. My dear brothers and sisters, you, we have to be faithful and the more we are aware of the way things are happening in the world, we know that our time is short. Be prepared. Be faithful in the way we use our time. Teach us to number our days. I'm just reminding us, we are just starting the 13th year. Lord, from this year, Lord, we believe that you have given us another year, another year to glorify you. But Lord, let this year be the year where we will be mindful of time, that we will be good stewards of time, that we will not waste time on stupid things, that things that we can put away, that we can do away with. That is the reason why Paul says, all things are lawful, but all things are not beneficial or not edify. All things are lawful, but all things do not profit. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 
And Lord, grant me the grace to tell me, to show me, show me areas where I waste a lot of time. Grant me the grace so that I can become a good steward of your time. Don't waste time. Redeem the time. How do you redeem, Baba? Buy back. How do you redeem the time? I'll tell you simple. Sleepless. Four or four to five hours of sleep should be more than sufficient for us. Okay. Sleepless, eat less, work more. Even as you grow old. Okay. More tension. So be good stewards of time. Second. Be good stewards of money. Sources will come. Good stewards of money. Time and money. Okay, let us go to Luke's Gospel chapter 16. Because the faithful part, faithful part, no? Verse uh, 10 onwards, it, this is talking about the parable of that, uh, unwise, I mean, that, that shrewd steward, okay? The sons of this, of this world are are wiser than the sons of the kingdom. Okay, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. Therefore, 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 therefore. Now what is the least over here? You know what the least is here in this context? Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? Be faithful in money. Don't waste money, resources, money here, money, money, resources will come to lead, resources also, but money, very, very clear, because money and resources are interchangeable. Okay. Silver is mine, the gold is mine, Jesus said, but how did my gold reach into your pocket is a question. How did my silver and my gold reach in your pocket? We should be very sure, Lord, I earned this gold and silver in righteous ways. Second, okay, fine. How are you using the silver and gold that I have given you? 10% is yours, God. 90% is mine. <laughs> hello? <laughs> hello? Hello, 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 hello. Hello, hello. One day yours, God. Six days is mine. That is what old covenant is, right? Six days you do your labor. Seventh day is the rest unto the Lord. But after we have become new covenant believers, all seven, after we have entered into God, God's rest every day, is that we work from rest. That means what? We have ceased from our works and we do God's works, right? And therefore, we cease to use the resources that God has given us for our purposes and say, Lord, everything that you have given me, how do I use it for the extension of your kingdom? Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will come to you, your uh, trust, the, to your trust, the true riches, which is of course, huh, what? Revelation. Yeah? Verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, kya baat hai? Another man's, who will give to you what is your own? And then he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And what happens in verse 14? Verse 14. And the Pharisees who lovers of money, who were lovers of money, also heard all these and they derided him. And they derided him. So, 
First is faithful in time. Second is faithful in money. And I, I remember that the thing that pastor was telling us, you know, uh, how do we as men uh, um, support the family? He said, be good stewards of the resources that God has given you. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic uh, uh, counsel. Um, it still boggles me, you know. What I would suggest, I would suggest, you know, I think you should do a course in big data and machine learning. And go to and improve your resume. If you don't know how to do a course in big data, I will also sit with you and I'll do it. And I'll prove to you that I can do it so you can also do it. But that's not what God asks for. He asks for what? Stewardship. First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let no man, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. More it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. Faithful. That means what? What is this faithfulness? What is he talking about? This attitude. What is this attitude is he talking about? Now let's compare Luke's Gospel chapter 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go back to Luke's Gospel chapter 16 verses 14 and 15. Look at what it says. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things and they said and they derided him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of the Lord. You know what he's saying? You being faithful, faithful towards God. What is important in God's sight? Stewardship is got to do with what? With God. Come back. To 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You will see this connection over here again. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 to 4 now. Okay, Let a man so consider as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. And then, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. You see that? How, how he connects this? Being steward, being faithful, he considers, you don't judge me, I don't even judge myself. Who justifies me? God justifies me. So what does, it, what does it mean to be faithful? It means, Lord, whatever you give me, I'm doing it as unto God and not as unto man. That is what it, what it, what it means to be found faithful. Whatever I do, I do it in the light of eternity. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what it, what it means to be found faithful. That means you have this consciousness, Lord, I do not serve anybody, I serve you. That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy in first, first, Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Oh, 2.15, sorry. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Apologize. Be diligent. To present yourselves, what? Approved to God. Got it? I need what's, whose approval? God's approval. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And therefore in order to do that, what should you do? Shun profane and idle babblings. For they will increase to more ungodliness. 
lot of idle babblings. Avoid them. What is profane? Profane is just not speaking profanity. Make Making is profanity is like taking heavenly things and holy things and making like commonplace. That is profanity. Idle and profane babblings for they will increase to more godly and ungodliness. He says they become a diligent worker. That's a faithful worker who has whose approval upon him? God's approval upon him. Who has the hand of God upon him. If you read through the entire book of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, you know what is the one phrase which keeps uh, reoccurring over and over and over again? The hand of God was over my life. He had the approval of God over his life. That is what it means to have the hand of God over your life. Now turn turn with me to 1st Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter, let me, give me a minute please. 4, verse 9 onwards. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. <laughs> what's, what's, what does Jabez mean? Pain. Jabez was more honorable. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh Lord, Oh that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Would you ask this God? Ask this from God this year. Lord, I want you to bless me. And enlarge my territory that your hand would be over me. That means God's approval is over your life. That's what it means. The hand of God to be over your life means. The approval of God is over your life. And that you would keep me from evil. And that I would not cause any pain. My mother called me pain. Because I thought, but because she thought uh, she bore me in pain. See, I'll tell you something. Being parents is not easy. And every parent goes through pain in order to really, really bring forth a child. We don't understand. Okay. And, and, and Paul says to the Galatian church, my little children of about whom I travel in childbirth since till Christ be formed inside of you. You know, he says, you know what you should say, Lord, yes, my birth, I caused a lot of pain. Some people, you know how they come to the kingdom of God? You should see the kind of pain that David would have to go through in order to birth an Abil Qureshi. Hours and hours and hours and hours and starting, discussing, discussing, discussing. It's not that uh, that everybody should become like that. I mean, some people come to the kingdom of God just like that. Hours and hours. And some people came to, some of his friends came to him and said, Christian friends, he said, why are you wasting the time, your time with this guy? Why are you wasting your time with this guy? Are these Muslims, they will not come to Christ, okay? Why are you wasting your time? 
You know, it took him four years for Nabil Quraysh to get converted. Four years. And he would not give up. Went over, read the Quran, read the Bible, read the Quran, read the Bible. Compared, 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 compared. In fact, at one point of time, he said, okay, fine, Lord, I've done all that I can and I give up now. And one day, his his friend called him. You know what he called him? Nabil calls him and he says, I saw a dream. What was the dream? There was a banquet. And in that banquet, I was standing at the door. It's, read, it's written in his, uh, in his memoirs, in uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Okay. I was standing at the door of that, of that, of that hall and you were inside the banquet and I was not able to enter and you were sitting inside. And I asked you, David, I thought we were supposed to eat together. And David looks at him and says, yes, but you did not accept the invitation. That's when he gets up and he falls on his face almost in a few days after that. And he accepts the Lord as his Lord and Savior. And after that, you know how he changed the entire Muslim world. That one book, the best of the Muslim apologists cannot gainsay the wisdom of that one book. It's powerful, powerful. So, he was birthed in pain. And then what he says, Lord, yes, Lord, I caused maybe a lot of pain, maybe to my spiritual parents or even my own parents. That you would bless me indeed, Lord. Enlarge my territory. That your hand would be over me and that you would keep me from evil that I might not cause pain. So, what? God granted what? Granted him what he requested. Ask God for this year. So that you will have the what of God over your life? The approval of God over your life. That you will be a good steward of what? Of time. The good steward of, steward of God's resources. Finally, third. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1 to 8, uh, sorry, 14 to 18. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 18. We know this very well. For the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered him goods to them. And to the one who he gave five talents to another two, another to another one, each according to his own ability and immediately he went on a journey. And what happens? Next verse. The Then he who received five talents went and traded. And you know that. Verse 24. Sorry, verse uh, 20 onwards now. You know this very well, but just uh, looking at it. So he who had five talents came and brought five others' talents said, Lord, you have delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. First thing, so you have faithful of over time, faithful over resources, faithful of the gifts that God has given us. Everybody has a gift. Look at the gift that uh, Peter has. Nobody has that kind of a gift. He can sing in any spectrum. Okay, Any spectrum. We all struggle to sing at one pitch. He sings it as if it's as if a cherubim is singing. It's a gift. 
<coughs> of course, that is, he doesn't fly, get flattered, of course. But that's that's besides the point. I I, I remember one brother who came for to our church to our school, and uh, and Peter was sitting there, and he came to him, and he said, uh, Peter, I heard so much about you. Um, that you are this, you are that, and he was going on, on, and on, and on, giving him Peter's, Pete, he was reading out Peter's resume to him, actually. And you should see Peter, stoic, and unmovable. And his face was like a flint. Okay, stone. <laughs> and that guy got frustrated after a while, and he left. <laughs> okay, and then, you know, Justin came to me and he said, sometimes you should be, you should have the knack as to how to accept Prashamsa, somebody praises you. You should thank. At least say thank God. You didn't even say that. <laughs> okay. All of us have been given talents. The principle here is this. I'm not talking about a talent. You know what? He who's faithful in little, ah, those little things that God has given you, be faithful. First Peter chapter 4. We come back to this over and over again, right? Let us go to it again. Verse 10 onwards. As each one will receive a gift, Kadu, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, so according to each one's ability, God gave him gifts. And according to your ability, God will give you gifts. Some people can do so many things. If they are doing so many things, God will ask an account of so many things. If he has given only a few things, so thank God that you have only few. Really, I am telling you honestly, you are are safe. If we are safe, if you have few things to handle. If you have have been given this gift and that gift, all administration gift is also given, preaching gift is also given, worship gift is also given, all kinds of gifts have been given, then you will ask account of everything. If you have been given only one gift, he will only ask you account of that one gift. Okay. If If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, so that in all things, who may be glorified? God may be glorified. That is how we remain faithful. So first, faithful in time, faithful in money and resources. Third, faithful in the gifts and the little that God has given us. Third, fourth one. 24, Matthew. Faithful till the end, Baba. (laughs) Faithful all the time. Matthew chapter 24. This is the last one. Verses 43 onwards. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. That means what? Be faithful whether you are being watched or not being watched. That means you are ready all the time. It, in other words, what, it, what does it mean? It has become a part of your what? Of your character. You cannot be anything but faithful. See, sometimes... Oh, you're okay. I have to give an account to pastor, so I better be faithful. But now, over a period of time, you're practiced and practiced and practiced, and now it has become a part of your nature. Moses was faithful in the old covenant in the in all the house as a what, as a servant, and Jesus was faithful over all his house as a son whose house we are. If we hold fast the confident 
confidence of the of our beginning even until the end it says that means what the nature of the son is to be what faithful and what should be our nature faithful so whether we are being seen or not seen it is a part of our character so we are faithful all the time that's what it means and say lord let that become my nature i put on first and slowly that has to become a part of my character and my nature so that at any given point of time that you come my accounts will be perfect you have to work on that okay <laughs> any given point you come my account sheet my balance sheet is perfect debit credit no jugad okay you can it will pass muster at the judgment you got it okay so let us go, let us go on verse 44 now therefore you also be what ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect who then is a what faithful and a wise servant whom his master has made him ruler over his household to give him food in due season and then he says blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes he will find so doing apparently uh, ravi zacharias's last words in one of, in his one of his eulogies one of his um, colleagues was saying he wanted to kneel down and pray and go to heaven while kneeling down apparently faithful till the end i think one of the missionaries i think if if i'm right uh, who was the one who went to africa david livingston david livingston he died on his bed kneeling down and praying this was a pose in which he died blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes he will come either he will come or you will go I, i remember chuck swindle he says he now he's i think is uh, uh, reaching 90 he says i want to die at the pulpit i'll be preaching my message dumb i'll i'll just pass off there that's that's his aim blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing assuredly i say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods and it's possible right that's what he told he tells even the laudation church if you overcome i will give you the authority to sit on my throne just as i overcame and i sat on sat on my father's throne even to the last church the most compromised church that promise has been given and then was 48 but if that evil servant says in his heart my master is delaying see how do you handle delay that's what happened to even the children of israel when they saw moses delayed my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards <laughs> look at that next verse the master of that servant will come on a on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour which is not aware of then he will cut him into two and appoint him his portion with the who and that means he was acting all these days that means faithfulness was not a part of his of his character See, for a guy who is faithful, he doesn't have to act faithful. He is faithful. Period. Others have to act. Oh, when is the master? When the when the manager is seeing? When he's not seeing? Because that's not a part of his character. That sneaky attitude is still there. If you are faithful, you are faithful all the time. Period. 
the master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour which he is not aware of and he'll cut him into two and appoint him a portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That means faithful. Why is that? Why does he cut him into two? Simply because those days when you did not obey the covenant, if you broke the terms of that covenant, what would happen to those animals which, would, which were divided into two will happen to you is what? A covenant means. It means what? He even broke the covenant. In that he started eating and drinking with his fellow servant, with, 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 the, with the drunkards and beating up his fellow servants. He's a hypocrite. He's a pretender. So faithful has a fourth one is what? Let it become a part of your nature. Nature so that you don't have to act faithful. You are faithful, period. That is the reason why many are called, few are chosen. And of those fourth, out of those few who are chosen, who will continue to act as if they are chosen, be faithful until the end. Therefore, let, let, let God find us to be what? Faithful. Let us let us finish with one verse, one Peter, sorry, one Timothy chapter one. One Timothy chapter one. And I want you to look at that one verse. One Timothy chapter one. Verse twelve. And thirteen. And I thank actually can you put it in the ESV? I thank him, that is Jesus Christ, whom, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he has judged me, what? Faithful, appointing me to his service. What is your former, what is your resume? Next verse. I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was an insolent man, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus. So in order for me to be faithful, what do I need? The grace of our Lord has to overflow. And in what? Faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. These are the three aspects. I should have faith and I should have love for Jesus. Love. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what, that's what it's, yesterday we were looking at it. He who has my commandments, it is he who loves me. Do you have his commandments? Seven seventeen. And we will stop. What seven seventeen, Baba? John seven seventeen. Thank you so much. <laughs> very, very good. If anyone wills, to do his will. He will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking of my own authority. Let us will, therefore, to do his will. Amen? Amen. For many are called, few are chosen, and ultimately, few will remain faithful to the end. And let us be found among those who are found faithful. This morning, let's ask God for this special grace The grace of God, let it overflow over our lives in faith and love which is found in Christ Jesus. Father, we just thank you, Father, for all of us here, even in this congregation here, in this hall, and all of us who are tuned in from all around the world and all around the country, different parts of the body of Christ who are a part of us. 
And even as we have entered into the 13th year as a church, we want to thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would grant us the grace to be found faithful even to the end. Loyal to God and loyal to one another, even until the end, O Lord. That faithfulness will become a part of our character. The very nature of Christ is to be faithful. Even though we were unfaithful, your word says he still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the same faithfulness that was wrought in your son, which was in your son, will be wrought in us through the Holy Spirit. And that we will serve you with a loyal and undivided heart all the days of our life. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and Amen.